Hello, welcome to Remember When. I'm Michael Morrison, your host for this edition. UMGA-TV is continuing this series as an oral history project of life and community in Upper Marion Township. In their own words, we want the people who lived the history of the township to tell us about that history. This edition features Daryl Chambers. Daryl recalls her fond memories of growing up on the Walker farm. Let's sit back and listen to Daryl remember when. Daryl, thank you for joining us today. As we begin, uh, I'd like to paint a picture of this area going back to the time that uh, <coughs> William Penn came to this area and uh, it wasn't called Penn's Woods for nothing. This area was full of mature trees, which made it very convenient to, uh, to cut the trees, float them down the Schuylkill River to be used to purchase, uh, to build homes in Philadelphia. What that did was leave the area open, wide open for agriculture. The Swedes, when they settled the area, discovered that the land was full of limestone deposits that made it wonderful for agriculture because lime uh, and dirt give a very neutral pH, which is perfect for farming. This is where you come in. I'd love to hear about life on the farm. We're talking about the Walker Farm, uh, where we are now, uh, where Walker Field is now. Uh, the farm was located there and uh, it was a very prosperous and wonderful place and I'm sure a great place to grow up. Tell me a little bit about how it was growing up. Um, it was a wonderful place. We went um, over to the farm every weekend we spent at the farm. Uh, my first three years were spent at the farm. And uh, it was full of animals and people and excitement and there was never a dull moment. And these people came from all over. Oh yes. Indeed, they did. Yeah. Right. Tell us about some of the uh, some of the local uh, folks that would visit to, uh, well, to take advantage of the facilities. Uh, Bob and Caroline Strine. I don't know how far back they date, but he was a supervisor or something with Upper Marion High School. They used to come over on Sundays and play tennis, and then go for a swim. Um, Half of King of Prussia would come to the old farm to try my Uncle Bud's ice cream. Uh, he made the best ice cream I've ever tasted. Vanilla and chocolate, and sometimes peach or strawberry. And uh, it, was, it was very good. Uh, there was always a lot of business going on uh, because the shop was open all hours of the day and night for people to come in and buy uh, meat, mostly meat, but they did have some groceries and things like that there. Of course, the dairy was there, but they had their own milk route that they went around. And uh, as kids, we got to, first it was in, a, in a, the back of a cart with a horse drawn it, and then it was in an old truck that we went around delivering milk. Usually we deliver it by the case. And uh, so. And they had uh, quite the facility there, did they not? Oh, they had a dairy farm. They had a, a butchering place where they, actually slaughtered the cows, sheep, pigs, chickens. And I'm told, but I never saw this, at one time horses, because at one time people ate horse meat. Um, I didn't witness any of that. Um, but I saw everything else go through that slaughterhouse and, and uh, Pup Pup in his wisdom, or not, 
would let us small children stand in the slaughterhouse behind these big block tables where we'd be safe and watch the whole process. So I think he thought he was desensitizing us <laughs> from eating meat and stuff. And I never even thought two ways about it until later on. And I thought, that's cruel. <laughs> I could tell you how he did it. You want to hear how he did it? Or is that too gross? <laughs> Let me tell you. He would go into the holding stall and he'd loop a, a noose around an old cow's neck. And he'd bring her down a chute. And she'd get to the bottom of the floor and then he'd take that rope that would go through a big ring in the floor, tie her as tight as he could, take a big old sledgehammer and bop her over the head. Then she would fall down with all four feet kicking out to the side and <coughs> slit the throat. Ugh. It's horrible to think of now, but as a child, I thought this is how we get our meat. Just, just watched it. But he would let us watch all that stuff. And then they would skin the beast, put it on a hook through the, that little tendon be, uh, behind its back legs, and string it up and haul it into the cold house, the refrigerator. And that meat was fresh. So when people came to buy the meat, it, it was from floor to table in a couple days. Yeah. That's very interesting. I have um, a reminiscence from, from someone uh, from back in 1968 who remembers, uh, who remembers uh, the Walker family. And uh, it's entitled, The Man Who Came Around. And that person was either a handyman or a peddler who would visit uh, homes and farms in the area. Um, and uh, one of them, of course, uh, when I was living at home on the farm, we had a butcher who came around once a week. He was Billy Walker. His father was a school director at the same time my father was. He did his own butchering on the farm down in King of Prussia. He'd come around with his horse and wagon, and he, and he did have the best meat. It was all fresh meat, and my mother always bought from him. So there, there you, you go. go. Yes. <laughs> now, as well as the farm, there were other things to do. You were telling me about the pool. Oh, they had they put in us, uh, to quote the Beverly Hillbillies, a big cement in-ground pool <laughs> around 1928-29. And it attracted people from all over the King of Prussia area. And anybody was allowed in there that could find their way. Um, there is one story, and I've heard two versions of it. In 1951... A troop of ball players from Bridgeport came down to buy some meat from Pop, from my grandfather. And during the course of the purchase, he mentioned the swimming pool and said they were welcome to go over and have a swim anytime they wanted. Well, my grandmother is the one that took care of the grounds around the pool. And these young men, see, they came back at night around 7 o'clock. To get to the pool, you had to open a gate by the house and drive around through the field. They had to ford the creek, which I understand is called Crow's Creek, and then proceed to the pool. Well, they were in the process of opening the gate, and my grandmother comes running out. Where do you think you're going, she says. Well, uh, Billy Walker said we could go over and swim anytime we wanted. Well, who are you? Well, well, this is Eddie Juiced. He plays for the, the, the Philadelphia Athletics. And my grandfather said, I don't care what you do in your spare time. You're not going to come swim in my pool. I don't know you. 
So that was one version of that story. But, That's uh, wonderful. Also, she was a sure shot with a rifle, my grandmother. She could stand in the field by the old milk house and shoot a milk can off of a post over by the pool. I couldn't tell you how many feet that is, but I would say at least three football fields. Oh, my goodness. And she'd hit it. <laughs> she was good. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's wonderful. So, so uh, the pool was uh, fed from the Crow Creek. It was. And uh, I know that there was a big ceremony uh, the beginning of the season for the filling of the pool. You guys all got together and... Uh, we cleaned and, it. And you cleaned it. You may call it ceremony. I called it a cleaning detachment. <laughs> we all had uh, big scrub brushes and, and we did it with a bucket of water and soap and clean down the sides and the bottom. And usually it was drained once or twice during the summer for a re-cleaning. There was a time back in the 40s, and I think even early 50s, when polio was a, a frightening thing to face. And uh, in August, nobody used the pool. For some reason, they thought August was the time to catch polio. And How about that? So nobody would use pool, and that's usually when we cleaned it again. Oh. Interesting. And now, uh, you t uh, when they turned it into Walker Field um, and the house and the barn went away, uh, what happened to the pool? It got smoothed over, and I think even as we sit here, they play basketball on it. <laughs> That's wonderful. So, yeah. Uh -huh. So not only was there a pool, there was a tennis court? There was a tennis court. That was there well before the pool, and uh, a lot of games were had on that. My grandfather played well up into his 70s. And, and my uncles, they, they played even longer than that. My uncle Bud was, Bud Walker, was quite a tennis player in the area. And my mom had a tennis scholarship to uh, Westchester State Teachers College. Oh she was a left-handed tennis player. Well, when I say scholarship, I say that loosely. They knew she played tennis well and she was accepted at Westchester State Teachers <laughs> College. So. so Walker Field had its origins uh, long before it was the gathering place uh, that it is now. It, oh, yeah. it was always a gathering place for folks in the community. We had many family reunions over there. And um, I mentioned a little earlier in speaking with you that uh, the lady that plays the mom on the Waltons, um, Michael Learned, she was one of the Walkers. Her actually through the Bidler side of the generation, the uh, family, but uh, we share a great grandfather. And so she was there, and I remember we had quite a conversation, her name being Michael and mine being Daryl. We wondered what these people were thinking. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> but they, they both had their reasons. <laughs> oh my, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. We have to remember that uh, the Walkers were everywhere in this area. Yeah. Uh, settled in different East Town area. There's mm -hmm. a Walker Road over there. Uh, Many Springs Farm, which mm -hmm. uh, the farmhouse still remains. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe the uh, the farmhouse where the uh, the old Valley Forge Golf Course was was a relative at way back, uh -huh. and uh, just everywhere. Even um, the Wilson Farm, which is now Chesterbrook. Uh, an excerpt from uh, Conrad Wilson reads, uh, one relative of ours who was famously generous was my father's cousin, Billy Walker. He had a meat market below King of Prussia. It's said that he fed most of Bridgeport during the Depression years with free milk and meat. 
Many people came to our farm for milk. We always had a surplus. We gave away baskets of fruit as well, or just let people go out and pick over the orchards. What my family tells me and what I remember about the walkers is how generous they were and how wonderful. Mm -hmm. you've, you've made that clear with the, uh, with the stories about uh, how folks from town and uh, from all over the area were able to come and take part mm -hmm. in swimming and other activities. This was before the era when you would think about if somebody got hurt, would we have a lawsuit? It really, because ne it never even occurred to them that something could happen and they'd be in deep trouble. So. Probably drank water from a hose and all those other dangerous things, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you had a story about uh, the King of Prussia Inn. Oh, when my grandfather was quite a young man, I think about 12, 12 to 14, he traveled around with his uncle Ivan's, picking up cattle here and there, and he was driving a herd of goats from Paoli to Bridgeport. And he stopped at the King of Prussia Inn. It was kind of a chilly day. I think it was in the fall. He's going to have a bowl of soup. And since he was only about 12 or 13, I'm going to say Miss Sadie. I forget the lady's name who was the pr proprietress of the establishment. She said, you'll have to go down the stairs, Billy, and have your soup down there. So Billy takes his soup, and he sits on a table down below. And uh, he notices an old gentleman sitting the end of the table and had his head on the table and that man looks like he's dead. He goes up and he says to Miss Sadie, I think there's a man down there that's dead. And Miss Sadie says, well, a fellow did get down there a few days ago. I'll come down. She comes down, she picks him up by the hair. Dead all right. And that was that. But that's one Pop-Up used to like to tell. There's another story about a fellow that used to drive a truck when trucks first started coming out back in the 30s. And he was driving a milk truck in Norristown. And there was a place in Norristown where he went and he realized he was not going the right way, so he wanted to turn around. And a policeman there said, you can't make a U-turn in the street like that. And the fellow says, the heck I can. I can turn around in Billy Walker's driveway. I can turn around anywhere. <laughs> so, just little stories like that, I um, remember. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. uh, I seem to recall a time when uh, you mentioned that the meat was on sale. <laughs> oh, my uncle's still alive. I don't know where he'd appreciate this one. <laughs> and I'm sure we have elaborated a, a truth with a good story here. <laughs> but my uncle, at the age of about 10 or 12, I forget, was grinding meat in the meat grinder in the butcher shop. He was standing on a stool. Well, the stool slipped out from under him. He grabbed and his hand went down in the machinery. Oh, my. He lost his hand. And uh, I have heard that meat was very cheap that week in Hamburg, anyway. <laughs> but it, it, it's a sad story. Oh. Although, another time, we were having a family reunion, and uh, my number three daughter, who's only about two and a half, three years old, was sitting there, like, worrying with her nose. And uh, my uncle Howard was sitting behind her, and he taps her on the shoulder, and he says, Barbara, see this? Shows her his stump. I used to pick my nose, too. Ooh. Ooh yeah. <laughs> they used everything they could to tell a story. Oh, that's wonderful. So. And I've met some of your relatives uh, recently, and they do uh, tell a wonderful story. Mm -hmm. That's great. Well, they're all wonderful people. I don't know how we all turned out so 
I think nice. <laughs> <laughs> I think so too. But I love them all. Yep. Mm -hmm. And you folks, uh, you get together from time to time, family reunions? Oh, the last reunion we had was actually at my Aunt Jane, Rebecca Jane Walker Jones funeral. And it was about two, two years ago, three years ago maybe. She died in April. And she always said when she died, she didn't want us any sad things, no sad songs for me. Um, have a party and have it on Derby Day. And so we all got together at the General Warren Inn in Malvern and had a party on Derby Day to say goodbye to Aunt Jane. And uh, we were in there, we're singing the old Kentucky Derby and, and sharing a, a few uh, mint juleps and things and making our bets, just little bets. And uh, the waiters and waitresses were all standing around with their mouths open and I said, this is a funeral. You should see our, our wedding receptions because <laughs> we did have a, a fun old time. Just, yeah. just some amazingly wonderful people with great mm -hmm. memories. Mm -hmm. Another one about Aunt Jane. Um, my grandmother and grandfather, Billy and Helen Walker, had six children. Burl, my mother, Helen, Uncle Bud, Richard, Howard, and Jane. And most of them are buried in the old Quaker Cemetery there uh, in that Quaker Meeting House. Was it Schoolhouse Road? Is that Old Eagle School Road. Old yeah, Eagle School Road. Okay, they're all buried there. Well, when Uncle Dick was buried there about eight, nine years ago, he took up the last space in the Walker line. So when my Aunt Jane was buried there, she was cremated and she said, just uh, shake me up and put me in there with Dick and have the tombstone say, here lie Dick and Jane. They finally found their spot. <laughs> we didn't do that. But she said that would be a good, good way to plant them. <laughs> you have some wonderful old photographs. Why don't you tell us about what you've brought today? Okay. Well, first of all, this is a picture of my grandmother and grandfather in front of the old house where the King of Prussia butcher shop was. And in 1952 or thereabouts, the Pennsylvania Turnpike went right through the house. It was a wonderful house to traipse around in when you were a little kid. Had three stories or eight bedrooms in that house, four on each, the second and third floor. And in the basement of this house, there must have been about six or seven different rooms. One was an old coal bin. One was a new uh, oil drum holder or whatever, you, how you refer to that. And then there were various other rooms. Well, a friend of mine who later on became my sister-in-law, we were down there fooling around in the basement, scary place, cobwebs. And we found this door that went out under the front porch. Ruthie said, I think we can open that. And we pushed and pushed and it opened. So we start through the door and it's, it becomes a tunnel. We go in pretty far and uh, more cobwebs, more eerie stuff and we thought, snakes that turned us around we didn't see any but we had the feeling turned out it was uh, part of the old um oh where the slaves used to go from one what do you call that the, the underground railroad, underground railroad no that kidding. went from the house over to the barn so they could um get out over there that's interesting yeah. and you know wherever they had quakers they had uh places for uh, yeah. the underground railroad of course mm -hmm. uh we know that the um the henderson house uh, still standing on Shoemaker Road, mm -hmm. also had a, uh, a secret room where uh, slaves used to hide. This was a, yeah. a huge area for uh, 
Underground Railroad yeah. and uh, getting folks to freedom. Yes, it was. Wonderful story. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a picture, I, I, I'm sorry I don't know who these people are because it was a little before even my time, but that's the way they traveled around the farm and uh, pony and buggy and they had uh, a lot of fun just moving around. That's a wonderful photograph. You can really mm -hmm. see the, uh, the magnitude of the, of the barn in the background and mm -hmm. uh, some of the other buildings. Uh, it was a very big barn. Um, my Uncle Bud, who just recently died at the age of, nine, age of 94, was playing right up, I shouldn't, probably can't show you, but right up in this hay area. They were playing basketball up there. Oh, this would be back in the 1920s. And the door was open, and he went back to get a pass and went right out and landed on the barnyard floor. Broke his arm, but otherwise he was okay. Another thing, oh, I'm not supposed to touch that. Another thing uh, <laughs> a buddy did was with a rifle. My grandfather, of course, was a, an avid hunter, and he had uh, rifles around the house, not really safely kept like they do in the days now. And anyway, my Uncle Bud, when he was looking at this rifle and he went to sit it down real hard on the ground in my grandfather's bedroom, the gun went off and a bullet went right up through the third floor where my Uncle Howard and Uncle Dick were sleeping. So it was not a tragedy, but it could have been. Absolutely. Lesson here, do not leave your guns laying around where children can get them. <laughs> But, Very wow. interesting stories. Yeah. Um, these, uh, I have four pictures here that are probably kind of hard to see of an old Upper Marion baseball team. Obviously young boys that would have been in today's world in the little leagues. But they were the Upper Marion baseball team. I know a couple of their names, but not all of them. Um, 1932. I, 1932. Here's a picture of them in action. They're actually playing. I don't know where the field was, but I think it was up there somewhere near where a golf course used to be. Was there, wasn't there a nice golf course up there? Uh, the Valley little, Forge uh, Golf Course. Yeah, a little that's... south of King of Prussia. Yes. Yeah, okay, I think that's about where they were. Okay. So, yeah. That's wonderful. And they found, they always found somebody to play? Oh my goodness, yes. They didn't work all the time. They did have some fun, although life was not easy. My mom, her sisters, and her brothers had to get up about 5 o'clock in the morning to milk cows before they went to school. She liked to remind me of that when I was having her serve breakfast. But, yeah. I heard that, uh, that Billy Walker also uh, did a lot of work before he went to school and would often show up late, and uh, they'd always ask him why he was late for school, and... Well, I had chores to do on the farm. Yeah. And that was how life was. That was how life was. Indeed it was. <clears throat> this is a picture of my grandmother. Believe it or not, it's not my grandfather. It is my grandmother with one of her prized horses. They um, spent a little time at the King of Prussia farm trying to raise racehorses. Uh, back during the late 40s, I believe it was, or maybe early 40s, they had a horse named Galawar who they assure me is still running around Delaware track someplace, never did come in. Um, Perfect Union and Village Prince were their three racehorses. Never made a dime, 
but they had a lot of fun getting in with the race horse crowd. That's uh, wonderful. Uh, this is a picture of me with a fellow by the name of John Price and my uncle Bud, and they were the ones that ran the dairy, um, Walker's Dairy. Their motto was, you, can, you can't beat our milk, but you can whip our cream. That was their motto. And they're the ones I used to ride around on the old milk truck with and delivering milk and stuff. There was one family, there uh, was a bridge that went across the Schuylkill River over near where the Kennedy Supply Mansion is. And right across that bridge, if you took the first road to the left, you went down a long lane. There was a family back there that must have had 15 or 16 kids. And we left two cases of milk twice a week. Oh, my. There. Yeah. So, but memories. And that's how it was. Uh, everybody helped everybody else. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a real community. It was indeed. Wonderful. Wonderful. Do we have any other photographs? Uh, not photographs. You, we, uh, I'm not sure. This is the, oh, this is the filling of the pool. Yes, we'll. Uh, yeah, that ha that's, that's a sad time for me. I mean, they're poor. I, I was long gone from the area when this happened. But uh, yeah, they filled in the swimming pool and uh, what they call it, Walker Field now? The, yes, they, yes. Okay, well, yeah, I guess they play baseball down there and evidently a little bit of of uh, basketball, but the this Crow Creek used to run along between the pool and what is now Brandywine Village. Yes. And we used to play in that creek and, and it was clear. The water was so clear, I swear you could drink it. It was beautiful water. So A number of pools in the area were fed by the Crow Creek. Um, Martin's Dam Club. Mm -hmm. Early 1920s, mm -hmm. uh, that was formed. Um, the Royer Greaves School for the Blind, uh, mm -hmm. right in the middle of King of Prussia, also had a stream-fed pool from the Crow Creek. Mm -hmm. uh, very interesting that they would take advantage of that along the area, mm -hmm. and, there, and there were at least three others uh, fed from other streams mm -hmm. in the area, but that's how it was. That's how mm -hmm. it was. We didn't have elaborate uh, pools with elaborate filter systems. And although I think you mentioned that yours had a filter. It was just a screen that would okay. catch the big stuff. You know, <laughs> yeah. you didn't want any turtles or big snakes or anything in there, but a leech or a tadpole could get through. And uh, every once in a while, you'd just sort of peel one off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Rudimentary system, but yeah, uh, that's the way it was. And, and yeah. it's interesting. Um, I think uh, pretty much only Martin's Dam remains. And uh, does Martin Dam I, there? Because there used to be an upper part of that dam and a lower part. Is that still like that? No, just the lower part is there. Oh, okay. Just the lower part. Um, uh -huh. But I think that's about the only thing. And you can't, of course, you can't swim in it now. But, oh, uh, where's the pity? I got <laughs> I got my first cocker spaniel up a road that was by Martin's Dam. There was a lady by the name of Betty Cavana who wrote books for children, mostly young girls. Um, after her first three books, she changed her name to Elizabeth Headley because she had married Mr. Headley. But I remember going up to get my first Cocker Spaniel. This was 1944. 
So my birthday present was Troubles. We called him Troubles. And uh, I was hanging out at my grandfather's farm, and my friend and I were upstairs. It was sleeping in, and my mom came running in the house. And here Mrs. Pancoast had run over my dog. One-year-old, my nice red Cocker Spaniel puppy, she was parked there getting her meat, and the dog went to sleep under her car. And that was the end of Troubles. Oh. So then I got Lucky. Lucky <laughs> was the name of the, I mean, my second Cocker Spaniel. So anyway, I always had Cocker Spaniels. Oh, and they're both buried down there where the old milk house used to be. Oh, my. Yeah. When the, the, one, the second dog that died died in Westchester, Pennsylvania. But I insisted we drive all the way over to King of Prussia to bury him next to Lucky, next to Troubles. And we did. Wonderful. Yeah. We have a, a nice aerial photograph of the farm. Uh, unfortunately, it's after the, um, it's after the uh, house was taken by the turnpike. Mm -hmm. But uh, you can get a real nice picture uh, of, of where the barn was located and also the pool, which you say is mm -hmm. now a, a, ten, a, a basketball court. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, it's just amazing to me about the open space you see in this photo, probably from the early 50s. Yeah. Um, you see Brandywine Village already well under construction. Mm -hmm. You see the uh, Valley mm -hmm. Forge Shopping Center, uh, our, our really and truly first shopping center, mm -hmm. uh, uh, well under construction. And Candlebrook, actually, uh, just the mm -hmm. beginnings of uh, Candlebrook. And uh, it's interesting now, that there's not a lot of open space left, is there? We used to walk from the farm up to what we called the King. Yes. And uh, there was an old post office there where a cousin of my dad's ran the post office, um, Jean Suplee, I think her name was. And uh, then I remember the Estocks, um, they had a gas station, and they lived in a house behind the gas station. And a little creek ran behind that house. and. Uh, Little Peggy Estock, her mom was big Peggy Estock, and I used to go out and play in that. And my mom, my grandmother, was a great racehorse person, and she and Peggy would go to the track a lot. <laughs> and then there was a place called Ed Max. Do you recall that at all? Yes. It was like a, I just remember jukeboxes and um, those machines where you little balls go up and hit things and they make noises. Ping, what do you call those things? Pinball machines. Yeah, that, pinball machines. Yeah, I remember those things from when I was little because my aunt, who was is just 12 years older than me, she used to hang out there as a teenager. Now, Ed so. Max was located where uh, Chili's is now. Is that, uh, uh, I don't remember Ed Max per se, uh, but I do have a number of photographs of it. And uh, uh -huh. it was a, one of the first gathering spots um, when King of Prussia started to develop mm -hmm. because of the automobile and the fact that all the roads uh, led to this area, and uh, people came, of course, to the inn, the King of Prussia mm -hmm. Inn, and then the uh, Peacock Gardens uh, frequently. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, Ed Max was, uh, was a very popular place. And Ed, there's one home there that my grandfather, well, he built a, a number of little houses, but there's one home that's still there. It's a veterinarian clinic now. My um, uncle and his family lived there for many years. And it's still there, almost right on 202. Yes, next to uh, yeah. Burger King. Yeah. They have a wonderful old photograph there as mm -hmm. well from uh, years past, probably mm -hmm. from the late 50s, I would think. Yeah, uh, there was an old style over the fence that 
You could walk across the field and across the creek. Crick, I moved, so creek's <laughs> creeping into my vocabulary. Um, and then you go across another stile right by the tennis court. And by the way, that tennis court was surrounded by nettles, nasty things, if you remember nettles at all. Made you sting and burn. So if anybody ever hit a ball out of the court, nobody wanted to go chase it. Another thing that was at that farm, what we called the greenhouses, they were outhouses. It just happened that they were all painted green. And they had nettles all around them too. And I can remember my grandmother, she'd go around with a bucket of lime every once in a while, throw it. Ah, the things people did just to get along. Right. But yeah, I remember there was one over behind the, the uh, bathhouse at the pool, and there was one down uh, where, my, where Clara, the lady that took care of the house, used to hang the clothes to dry. There was an old outhouse down there. So. It's fascinating. And, and pretty much all summer long, it was filled with people. Oh. People coming and going and people... Summer uh, and winter, but the yeah. summer was fun. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Now, did you feed them all? Clara fed them all. Oh, my. But my grandfather, one of his favorite sayings was, because he'd just bring the meat over from the shop. And my grandfather used to take his bottom plate out, or his upper plate, before he'd eat, and stick it on the mantelpiece right behind the dining where we ate. <laughs> like that, he'd eat. Little tough, but good tasting. That was his motto, his mantra. It's a little tough, but it's good tasting. So he especially liked lamb with mint jelly. Oh, my. That was a thing. And they had chairs sitting around this table. I think the table sat about 14 people. And the chairs were these old things with black seats and these little picky things, horsehair, horsehair seats, that when you're a little child in a short skirt, you don't want to sit on them. It's like permanent Velcro. You're there and... Very painful, but I remember dinners around there. Yes, every weekend Clara f would feed many, many, many people. Mm -hmm. Just wonderful stories. Yeah. They had an old wood-burning stove in the kitchen, and when people would be over at the shop, if they wanted to just come in and, and chat with Clara, they'd just come in and sit by that stove. And she, it, she used to put wood in it. She used to put coal. We had a coal bucket, even a coal bucket in it. So. A lot of memories. Absolutely. They're gone. They're all paved <laughs> over. It breaks your heart sometimes, but, you But know. that's why we're here. Yeah, time moves on. We need to keep reminding people that uh, mm -hmm. Upper Marion is more than just a mall. And uh, yeah. we have some wonderful memories oh, to yes. share. Many. That's terrific. Mm -hmm. The uh, We mentioned the Wilson Farm in Chesterbrook, but... Uh, mm -hmm. We also had the Wilson Farm here in King of Prussia that uh, was called Maplecroft Dairy. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was situated right now where uh, the King of Prussia Plaza is located and the court in King of Prussia. Uh, but at one time that was pasture land and, and uh, yeah. a very busy dairy farm. And your family had s some... My Uncle Bud, when they gave up the, um, the dairy at the Walker Farm, I think he wor he worked for them as a milkman for a while. Um, that, but that's not where he ended up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you had mentioned earlier about uh, trash disposal. <laughs> well, I, w I wasn't going to mention it again, but on the edge of the farm going towards the north, um, 
we're not quite sure it was right on our property or not, but there was, I guess it was a sinkhole. We called it the dump. And anything that was wanting to be thrown away from the farm, uh, it could even be an old car. I think there was an old Ford down there with a, with a, a rumble seat in it. If you didn't know what to do with it, you just took it over to the dump. And in that hole it went. I wonder if anybody ever found that. It would have been north of the swimming pool and out more towards Route 202. That's where it would have been. I think it really was part of the farm. It was Very, over the fence, though. But <laughs> And, of course, we wouldn't yeah. think about doing anything like that today, but uh, that really was common practice oh, in yes. this area yeah. uh, with so many sinkholes and, mm -hmm. and uh, caverns in the area. I think that's just, that's just what people did. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, we've evolved a little bit from that. I remember when they used to make movies over there, around uh, Port Kennedy. Did you know they used to shoot movies over there by Port Kennedy? Yes, I did. Yeah, and that, that was must have been exciting. I really don't remember that part. But there was a time when uh, it was either Wild Bill Hickok or Buffalo Bill Cody. I don't know which one had a traveling group that went through. And one of the people that worked for one of those men gave my grandfather the old four-footed bathtub that was in that old farmhouse. Oh, my. <laughs> and that was the first time we had a tub in, inside the house. So. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah, that, uh, that studio over there, uh, the Lubin studio, uh, produced many old westerns. Yeah, yeah. The Tunerville Trolley uh, films. Mm -hmm. And they used to get extras from Port Kennedy yes. and use the town uh, to shoot uh, as the backdrop. Mm -hmm for the Westerns. Yeah. It, uh, it's amazing how uh, film can fool people into thinking that they're, uh, you're transported out West. Oh, yes. And, and yet you're right in, yeah. in Port Kennedy. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Back in the 1940s, and possibly they did it in the 30s, people would come in with these big flatbed trucks and go out into the field, and they'd scoop up layers and layers of turf, roll it up into little balls, and then take it, and that became the outfield for Shy Park, old Shy Park in Philly. Oh, my goodness. So our outfield <clears throat> was Walker Dirt. <laughs> and no. then uh, another thing that happened, my uncle Howard, the one that lost the hand, unfortunately, he really had a fixation with pilots and airplanes and would love to have flown an airplane. They used to have these, uh, what did you call them? They, they would come in and land in your field and then take off again. They had double wings, like there were four oh, wings. Biplanes. biplanes would come and land in the fields at Walker Field, take you up if you wanted to go. And uh, it was just a touchdown, go up, and Uncle Howard was fascinated with all that kind of stuff. Did he take a ride? I don't know, I don't remember. He did, with the one hand, he played football for Upper Marion High School. Oh, and he also played the trumpet. That is no easy feat with one hand but he did for Upper Marion High School. Oh my. Mm -hmm. And that's Wonder it. Wonderful stories. Yeah. <laughs> we have to remind everyone that Scheib Park, of course, uh, became Connie Mack Stadium. Yes. Broaden Lehigh, mm -hmm. and, and uh, of course, it's not there any longer. No, it isn't. Classic uh, design, wonderful place. Uh-huh. I have lots of fond memories of, oh, my mom. My mom used to take, took all the pictures, most of which I had brought with me, uh, with an old brownie camera, an old box camera. I remember it had a little silver circle on the side. That's how you, you opened it up to get the film out when you had to take it. And it would take two weeks to get that film back. And, uh, and she wrote on everyone. She wrote the dates, the people. 
nice memories. Absolutely, mm -hmm. and so many are, are uh, forgotten and discarded, and I guess mm -hmm. we should, uh, we, this is a good time to reach out to yeah. folks to, uh, to save yeah. their old photos and uh, yeah. allow us to scan them and share them mm -hmm. with our friends. Thank you. Okay. That's it for this edition of Remember When. Thanks for watching. Until next time, and always remember when. <laughs>